Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, I'm going to talk about psychic functioning, specifically blocks to psychic functioning. I've mentioned in an earlier episode of In Presence that, speaking for myself, I'm not a practicing psychic. I don't turn it on and off on demand. Uh, I don't sit for hours doing psychic readings for individuals or uh, organizations or work on projects uh, for the government or finding missing people and, and so on, uh, although I have done that occasionally. Uh, and most people who do it regularly find that this is very difficult work. It's sporadic. Even the very best remote viewers, for example, can be 100% accurate, but perhaps only 10% of the time. And there's a great irony because parapsychologists have yet to find anything that blocks psychic functioning. Distance doesn't seem to matter in time or in space. You, you can put a person in a, a sealed room that's completely shielded from electromagnetic signals. It seems to enhance psychic functioning. It doesn't block psychic functioning. People can be taken down into submarines under the ocean and still function quite well psychically. And yet, why then is it so difficult? Is it so sporadic? Is it so controversial? And I think uh, the reasons for that lie within us. First of all, we do know this. We know that when the mind is agitated, psychic reception, ESP reception, is going to be blocked simply by the agitation of the mind, the myriad of thoughts and emotions that pass through our mind. That's why the Yoga Sutras say that through the practice of yoga and meditation, when the mind is still like the surface of a lake on a calm day, it can reflect perfectly the reality around it. Uh, now, interestingly, however, an agitated mind seems to actually help uh, telepathic sending. One of the most common experiences uh, in the 19th century, it was called a crisis apparition um, when the Society for Psychical Research began collecting spontaneous cases. This is what they found occurred more often than anything else. And it's still reported today. It's, for example, when somebody is gravely ill or when they're dying, other people seem to know get especially loved ones, get dreams or other messages so they're in touch with what's happening. And uh, the fact that it often occurs in dreams, again, suggests a relaxed state can be conducive to psychic reception. But there's much more involved. After all, uh, I'm sure everyone viewing this video realizes how controversial the field is, why there are some people who will 
say that it, they won't accept psychic functioning in spite of the testimony of every member of the Royal Society. I believe that was uh, Helmholtz or another great 19th century British physicist made a statement to that effect. It's just unacceptable. And I think uh, we ought to explore some of the the causes, some of the reasons for this. To me, I look at Freud. Sigmund Freud was probably one of the three or four greatest thinkers of the 20th century. And his discovery of what we call the Freudian unconscious is, is, can be put simply uh, by saying that we don't want to know the contents of our own mind. We live in a civilization in which certain thoughts and feelings are considered unacceptable, our aggressive thoughts, our sexual urges, and we repress them, we hide them from ourselves. And certainly, if we don't want to know what's in our own mind, the idea that other people, psychics or any other person, might be able to uh, see things that we're hiding from ourselves is completely unacceptable. And I think that motivation drives a lot of the opposition to parapsychology. Once I interviewed Arthur C. Clarke, it was uh, in an audience where he was speaking at uh, the University of California at Berkeley when I was a student. And uh, after his talk, I raised my hand and I said to him, Mr. Clarke, do you believe in ESP? Now, he had just published some very negative statements about Uri Geller in Time magazine. And he spoke, I thought it was one of the most honest things I ever heard him say. He said, I don't believe in ESP because I don't want anybody to read my mind. Now, for those of you who study his biography carefully, you will discern that he probably had some reasons for not wanting people to read his mind. But there's more to it. There's another level. Well, before I go to that other level, I should say we all have reasons for not wanting other people to read our mind. And so, uh, for that reason, if let's suppose uh, you're engaged in criminal activity, and uh, I once had a friend who remarked that there's a little bit of larceny in everybody. Well, we all have a private side. We all have things that we'd rather keep to ourselves. And so, one might imagine that in the evolution of human society, uh, methods were developed to dampen down the psychic functioning of other people. And uh, those methods, uh, which have a long evolutionary history, maybe even pre-human, uh, are still at play. But now let me take it at one level deeper, because I suspect many people watching this video now are interested in what I have to say because of my background in parapsychology, not just because I interview people or just because I happen to have been a psychotherapist or a student of mystical and spiritual traditions. And many viewers are opening up to psychic functioning and find it very disturbing. And one of the reasons for that is because we find ourselves exposed to the pain 
of other people, the pain of the world itself. This is a world in, in which there's so much oppression, so much dishonesty, so much corruption, so much disease, so much mental illness, so much delusion. And to be exposed to all of that can be overwhelming. And yet, think about it for a moment. The word telepathy actually means feeling at a distance. It's about picking up on the feelings of other people. I mean, right at this moment uh, in your community and certainly on the planet, there are thousands, maybe millions of people in agony for various reasons. Some of it's completely unnecessary, but some of it's quite normal. We all die. We all get sick at times. And how do we protect ourselves from it? Well, the truth is most people go through life in a state of numbness because we are protecting ourselves from the pain of the world. That's how we get by, is, is by numbing ourselves. And to some people, that numbness can become so extreme that they become psychopathic and exploitative. Exploitative, exploitive. I'm not quite sure how that word is pronounced, but I think you understand what I'm saying. One has to develop compassion in order to open up this way to the pain of the world. How else can you address it but with compassion or with a sense of cosmic distance, with a sense of because I embrace the entire universe and all of its wholeness, I can accept the height of agony and misery as well as the height of joy and cosmic consciousness and bliss and love that exists. It's all there. The light and the darkness is part of the whole puzzle in which we live. But to the extent that we're unable to address the process of numbness, of self-numbing that occurs so that we protect ourselves, and I think it's largely at an unconscious level, to the extent that we can make that conscious, we're more prepared to accept the fullness and the higher functioning of our psychic abilities. So I'll leave you with that thought and thank you for being with me. The New Thinking Allowed, or In Presence podcast, that you have just heard was originally recorded as a video for the New Thinking Allowed channel on YouTube. Check out the channel by going to newthinkingallowed.com.